It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Tuesday, slowly but surely. We are edging towards the end of this international break. The final international break of 2023. Premier League returns to action on Saturday. And then it is all guns blazing up to the new year with a busy festive period fast approaching. So a lot to be excited about, even if we do just have a final few days of the boredom and the mundaneness that is the international break. And if anyone watched the England game last night, then boring and mundaneness certainly comes to mind when describing that. I have to admit, I didn't watch too much of it because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, I did flick over and uh, watched a bit of Ukraine, though, against Italy. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on because it meant the uh, Alexander Zinchenko and Jorginho involved in that game. So we'll have a bit of an international break roundup. It's today's show. We've got some of your questions and comments as well. And a few bits of sort of transfer rumours and links that I wanted to discuss uh, at the start of the show as well. And the first of all, we'll get cracking onto that, involves Thomas Partey. Interesting story emerging from Italy at the moment where we know Juventus have been sniffing around Thomas Partey. There is definitely interest there from Juve and there has been for a while. Um, whether it ever gets firmed up, I, I have no idea. And as I've reported many times on this channel before, you know, Thomas Partey is happy at Arsenal. And, uh, and yeah, if everything works out, he'd quite like to stay at Arsenal. But, you know, whether, you know, everyone has to be in the same boat for that to happen. You know, whether Arsenal decide to move Thomas Partey on or decide to try to move Thomas Partey on, if a good offer comes in, then remains to be seen. We've spoken about that at level before, haven't we? that there is a big sort of decision coming up when it comes to Thomas Partey and Arsenal at some point very, very soon, given his age, given his contract situation. And if should a decent offer arrive, then it wouldn't surprise me if it's something that Arsenal seriously consider. And having said all that, the reports emerging from Italy, which was kind of in a story talking about Juventus's interest in Partey, is about very much um, clubs in Saudi Arabia really sort of beginning to firm up 
a potential offer. Now there was there were some links with Thomas Party in Saudi Arabia in the summer. Never really went anywhere, but there was some interest in it. Um, but as I said, it sort of ne- never really happened. Never materialised into a firm offer. But now there is talk, certainly in Italy, that Stephen Gerrard's side, a couple of different uh, Saudi Arabian sides, are interested in Thomas Party. <laughs> they put a price tag on of thirty-five million pounds. Um, which I mean, I think El Ali are one of them, and El Afatik, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, 35 million pounds. A, I just don't believe that. I cannot imagine a team would pay 35 million for Thomas Party, given his age, given the fact he's only got a year left on his contract in the summer uh, and his injury record. And I think if someone, I honestly think if someone bid 35 million for Thomas Party now, that Arsenal would take it. Uh, would accept it. I'd be very, very surprised if they don't. That's just me talking. That's not, you know, I haven't been told that will happen, but just, you know, thinking about it and the price tag, you'd, you'd end up only taking about a 10 million hit on Thomas Party if you were simply sold him, bought him for 45 million a few years ago and then sell him for 35 million. I just, I, I cannot imagine it's something that Arsenal would turn down if an offer like that arrived for Thomas Party. Uh, whether he'd be interested in going, you know, who knows, that remains to be seen, but it's definitely an interesting one. And, um, I think we're going to probably see more and more of these sort of stories emerge surrounding Thomas Party as we get towards January. Personally, I'd just be surprised if a club really does really firmly go for Thomas in January. I think in the summer, definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if this sort of interest really starts to firm up. But in January, I think a buying club, it just wouldn't make too much sense because even if he gets himself fit for January, if you tried to buy him, then he'd be heading off to the Africa Cup of Nations for a few weeks in February. So you're probably not going to really have him back available until, I don't know, kind of start of March, very end of February, start of March. So you paid for him, you paid a load of money for him in January, but you're not going to have him available for basically a couple of months almost. And so it just wouldn't really make too much sense to me. But I think if he does stay in January, which I think he will, um, I think in the summer, we're certainly going to see a lot of these sort of links. And you know, for for Arsenal, from a point, their point of view, if they are going to decide to try and cash in on Thomas Party, I think interest from clubs in Saudi Arabia would be a big, big boost for them. But we shall wait and see if it happens. And I know it's a very divisive subject in terms of should Arsenal move on from Thomas Party or not. I see it in the comments sections all the time whenever I talk about Thomas. And I absolutely fully understand it. He's such a good player. He's so important for this Arsenal team. Um, when he's fit, when he's playing well, he just makes Arsenal better. There is absolutely no doubt about it. We saw it last season when he was sensational for such large chance, ch- chunks of last season. But then there are others who just get constantly frustrated by the the injury issues that continue to hamper him and have always hampered him since, he's, since he signed for Arsenal. So I imagine in replies to this video, this show, there's going to be lots of different opinions in terms of what Arsenal should do. Should a good offer arrive for Thomas Party? Should they sell? Should they move on? Should they keep? Hope he gets fit, give him a new contract. You know, I, I can absolutely just see exactly what it's going to stir up in terms of the comments. And it, it always does. And I think it always will when it comes to Thomas Party and his future. Uh, interesting one from David Ornstein that he's just broken over at the over at the Athletic. Head over to his social media to uh, have a look at that story. He says that Ruben Neves is going to stay at El Halal in January, regardless of the Premier League vote, which is happening today, actually, uh, Tuesday, in terms of associated party loans. He says that the 26-year-old not expected to leave Saudi Arabia, no approaches or talks yet, and he's happy and settled and crucial to El Halal. Uh, Neves has been one of the players whose name has been linked with a potential move to Arsenal in January. He's been heavily linked with a move to Newcastle, of course, and that's what, in this story that David's done here, where he's talking about the Premier League vote that is happening today. Premier League clubs are all getting together and basically looks like they're going to try and block 
any sort of possibility of this sort of thing happening. So with obviously Piff, who own the big clubs in Saudi Arabia now and are running the big clubs in Saudi Arabia, they own they own Newcastle and the, the Premier League clubs are getting together to try and ensure that Piff can't then just loan players from their Saudi Arabian clubs to um to clubs like Newcastle. It's not just Piff, of course, it's all there's so many multi-club ownerships now around the world. We're seeing it more and more with Chelsea, of course, are doing it as well. There's plenty of uh, different examples. I think in Spain, Girona, who are top of the league at the moment over in, in La Liga, they're part of the City group, aren't they? So uh Premier League clubs are just a bit concerned that this could lead to you know clubs basically helping each other out, ownership groups helping each other out and giving them players on loan for the second half of the season that could prove crucial in uh, in terms of getting a team, you know, a Champions League spot or a title or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see what that Premier League vote does today. But it appears even if it doesn't do it, even if it doesn't block it, then Ruben Neves, according to David Ornstein, won't be heading to Newcastle or Arsenal as well, where he has, of course, been linked in the, alongside names like David, um, David Luiz, Douglas Luiz, players like that in terms of midfielders for Arsenal. Tommy Asu as well is being linked with a potential transfer by Munich, said to be interested in Tommy Asu. Big fat no for me, <laughs> this one. Not even considered it. Not even consider it, please, Arsenal. And I'm sure they wouldn't. Tommy Asu is such a crucial player, such a good player, so much versatility. It's no surprise to me that clubs like Bayern Munich or other top clubs would be interested in Tommy Asu. Why wouldn't you be a defender who gives you everything that he does? Can play right back, centre back, left back, no matter what position he plays in. Just a top, top player who always performs. Yes, there's been a few doubts over his injury record since he's arrived at Arsenal, but fingers crossed he's put the worst of that behind him. And um, and yeah, this should not be anything Arsenal should consider. Absolutely no chance for me should they be thinking about letting Tommy, uh, Tommy Asu go, and I'm sure they wouldn't either, you know, barring some spectacular offer, which just is almost impossible to turn down. And I can't imagine Bayern Munich or any other club will do that. For me, Tommy Asu needs to be on the list of players who gets a new contract. I'm sure he will get a new contract very, very soon. Arsenal very uh, sort of working through their contracts, as we've seen. They've done it very methodically so far. Ben White's sort of top of the chain right now, but Tommy Asu will be right behind Ben White in terms of the uh, the players that the club are looking to to secure uh, their long-term futures. You know, he might not be when everyone's fit, an absolute guaranteed starter, Tommy Asu, but he is still an absolute crucial player. He is basically the 12th man, isn't he? So many times the first substitute comes on, it'll be Tommy Asu. The first change, you know, if in it, if they've got two games in a week, the first player who'll come in when the team starts to get rotated will be Tommy Asu. He is basically 12th man in this team if he's not a starter. And there's lots of people right now with uh, Zinchenko struggling for his best form that think Tommy Asu should be a guaranteed starter anyway at left back in the absence of Urien Timber. But let me know what you guys think on any of those transfer links that are doing around the day, transfer stories that are doing around. Let me know what you guys think on Thomas Party and what Arsenal should do for midfielder on Tommy Asu. Let me know in the comments below. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, a bit of an international roundup for you now. We'll start not with England, not with Bukai Sakura Declan Rice because it was such a horrible game. Start with Ukraine versus Italy. Arsenal interest in this, of course, Zinchenko and Jorginho, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you can have a look at the picture that I've just put up. It's Zinchenko arguing with the fourth official. And in the very far distance there, you can see Mudrik lying on the ground holding his ankle. This was after that hugely controversial late decision or non-decision, shall we say, in that Italy-Ukraine game. Both teams going for automatic qualification to the Euros. Ukraine needed to win over in Italy. Italy needed a draw. And it ended, actually wasn't in Italy, was it? It was in Germany, sorry. And it ended up being a nil-nil draw. So the Italians went through. But in the very, very final few minutes in injury time, Mudrik went down under a challenge in the penalty area. Huge cries for a penalty. Zinchenko, as you can see, leading the protests on the touchline, had been substituted at that point. No penalty given. No VAR didn't overturn it. And Italy ended up winning nil-nil. Now, I have to say, I thought this was an absolute, stonewall penalty. I cannot believe it wasn't given. And I am I think I'm more surprised by the amount of people on Twitter who have replied to my sort of post about it saying that it was a blatant dive and it was never a penalty. I just don't see it. He might have gone down a little bit easily, Madrid, but he gets to the ball first. He knocks it past him. He clearly gets tripped. The Italian player's reaction says it all. He absolutely knows he's tripped him and fouled him. You can tell by the way he turns away with his hands up. He knows he has fouled him and he is expecting a penalty to given to be given. He is so, so lucky that that wasn't given. And Ukraine, I can imagine, feel so harshly done by it. And I'm not surprised. I just think it's a stonewall penalty. And I can't believe that VAR have not had a look at it and given it if the referee said no. Because for me, that is a clear and obvious error. He gets the ball first. He gets tripped. There might be he goes down a little bit easy, but that is a penalty. In that situation, that's a penalty all day long. And it doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't even blame Madrid for going down a little bit easy in that thing because you're desperate to get the penalty. Of course, you know you've been fouled. It's just a penalty. I can't believe it wasn't given. But I mean, look, I'm clearly, there's a lot of people that clearly disagree with me, but I just don't, I don't know how. I just think that's an obvious blatant penalty. But let me know what you guys think anyway. So anyway, Jorginho gets himself through. He got. <laughs> I saw that Chelsea fans were taking great delight in the fact that Mudrik beat him in a foot race down the left wing at some point during that game. And like, oh, Mudrik's ended Jorginho. He's retired Jorginho, which is just rubbish, of course. A, you've got one of the fastest players in European football going up against a pretty slow 31-year-old midfielder. I think there's only going to be one winner in that down the wing. So I'm not sure Jorginho is going to lose too much sleep over the fact that Mudrik did him in that game. But yeah, Jorginho ends up celebrating. Italy go through. Ukraine do not. Elsewhere, of course, England in action. Saka and Rice, very uneventful game. 1-1 draw in North Macedonia. 
everyone pretty quiet. Saka did a really lovely bit of play that ended up with Jack Grealish scoring a goal. That was later ruled out for VAR. Grealish was offside. Would have been a brilliant assist from Saka. But other than that, there's not really too much to shout about in that game. Aaron Ramsdale, an unused substitute. They can all now come back. Looks like they're all injury-free. Touch wood. Now all, uh, all uh, eyes turn to Brazil and South America a little bit later on. I think uh, Kai Havertz is in action tonight as well for Germany. Interesting to see if he plays at left-back again. But uh, yeah, all eyes turn to Brazil. I think all of us sitting there, well, it's going to be overnight over here in the UK. So we're going to be sort of going to bed, hoping we're going to wake up in the morning without seeing any sort of news that Gabriel Jesus, if as expected, he does feature in that game, gets any sort of injury. There's a question here from Frederick, or a comment from Fred Frederick in response to what I've been talking about, saying that I'm a little bit worried about Brazil just throwing Jesus straight back into action against Argentina after a month out with no playing because of a hamstring injury. But Frederick says, we must not be selfish about Jesus. For me, we must be applauding Brazil for bringing him to up to speed. We now have the player available for the weekend game. In one way, I, I accept that, yeah. And I, it does seem like, on the face of it, Brazil have done everything right. They've care carefully managed it. They have been scanning in. They've been saying, making sure that everything's fine. And, yeah, so, look, if he comes back, then fair play. If he comes back and he's fit, then fair play. Um, I still think it's just a little bit of an unnecessary risk, whatever happens. I think he would have been, had he not gone to Brazil, I still think he would have been fit for the weekend game anyway, if he'd have stayed here. And I'm not sure just one game is going to bring him up to speed. You know, I think he could have done exactly what he's done Brazil, back in Colney, and he'd be ready for Brentford this weekend. And he wouldn't have had to fly about a 6,000-mile round trip or whatever it is to South America for it. So I'm not sure I'm going to be able to be applauding Brazil for it, I have to say. But hopefully, if he does come through this one, he does come back um, ready for the weekend, then yeah, hopefully we get a bit of a sort of boost from it in terms of Arsenal. Um, so yeah, one from John here. This was in response. Lots of you were getting in touch about this. I just put one comment up, but lots of you were talking about it. This is what I was talking about yesterday when saying, I'm not sure about handing titles over. If Manchester City get found guilty by the Premier League and they get the titles stripped, I was saying, I just wasn't sure about the teams who finished second getting awarded the trophy retrospectively. I just think it's quite a strange, it'd be quite a strange feeling for everyone involved. I'm not sure how much the players would really be bothered about it or certainly the fans would be bothered about it I think I'm probably seeing it more from a fan point of view than a player point of view you know I'm not a professional athlete unfortunately I'm not an elite footballer so I don't really know in terms of what their mindset would be should they be given titles a few years down the line you know would that be something that they'd be bothered about if they got a medal through the post seven years after event would be they really be bothered about it I'm not sure I think from a fan point of view it would just feel you know it's it would just feel very very odd and you, I don't know, it's that tribalism type thing. You could never be able to celebrate it and wind up rival fans about it because they'd be like, yeah, no, it didn't, doesn't count, doesn't count. Um, but John's got in touch here. He said, I think if City were stripped of the titles and the second place teams were given no titles, the players would see it as justice done. They'll be disappointed they weren't able to celebrate at the time, but they will say if Man City cheated them out of the title, then they will proudly put the medals on display in their homes because they are rightly theirs. I can imagine that if Arsenal were given last year's Premier League title, the opposing fans would forever chant you didn't win in 2022 or something similar. I think City should have already been given the points deduction for non-cooperation, trying to cover up the evidence, separate to the other charges, just like someone involved in any other type of crime could be charged for withholding evidence, attempting to defer the course of justice. If that had been done last year, we would have won the league fair and square. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I just don't know the ins and outs of the whole investigation system and um, and how it's all being done. I don't know how easy it would be to sort of separate the charges, to divide them up into, you know, 
different sort of categories of the 115 that are currently hanging over Manchester City's head. Um, so I'm not sure about, about that. But I, yeah, I think, as you say there, I think the whole fans thing is just an interesting point because one of the big things about a football fan, when you win something, as well as you love the celebrations and being with all the other the other Arsenal fans or whatever club you support fans, another thing you love to do and will always love to do is just wind up all your mates who don't support Arsenal or don't support your team and just really give it to them and revel in the fact that you've won something and they haven't. And this just, you wouldn't be able to do that with this. And they would always, as you say, chant something like that or just say it doesn't count. It's got an asterisk next to it, that sort of thing. And I think that takes such a big part of the joy of winning something out of it as a football fan. But maybe the players will think very, very differently. Uh, here's one from Chris who says, did you see the 15-year-old Chido Obi-Martin score 10 goals against Liverpool at the weekend? Always reluctant to get excited about a teenager. I remember when Sanchez Watts was the future. It was Sanchez Watts, not Sanchez Watts. Uh, so no relation, obviously. Um, I did see that, yeah. It was a bit of a mad one. I saw the score. I was like, you what? I think it was 14-3 or something like that, wasn't it, against Liverpool? So it was a very, very mad one, a real standout result. I think the Liverpool goalkeeper got injured early on, very early on, and they didn't have a substitute goalkeeper, so they had to play someone else in goal who was not very good when you look at the replay and the, the highlights of the match. You know, he's obviously an outfield player. He's never played in goal before, and it didn't take much to score against him, let's put it that way. Uh, so, yeah, it was I mean, it was fantastic for Chido Obi-Martin, who's, you know, very highly rated, obviously very, very young still, but he's played at under 18. I think he's played for the under-21s already as well this season. Big guy, big lad, looks, you know, he's got, clearly got a lot of physical attributes that might make him stand out as he continues to progress and develop clearly got a good eye for goal we saw that in fact he scored 10 of them in one game and he's had a good start to the season as well in the youth team ranks so yeah I did see that but look he's very 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 young it's hard to get carried away let's just wait and see what happens with him over the next few years as he continues to progress hopefully this is not the first time we see him in the headlines in an Arsenal shirt but yeah a long way to go yet so I wouldn't be getting too excited all right, everyone, that's it from me. Thank you very much for watching, as always, on listening, of course, as always, because you can get this if you're watching this on YouTube. You can also get it, of course, on all your podcast platforms as well. So just search for it inside Arsenal and it should come up. So if you don't want to watch it on YouTube, you can get it on your podcast platforms. Until tomorrow, everyone, have a very good day. I'll speak to you very soon. 